Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Stackmanelli. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guests, Patricia Opel and Enrico Magnani. Patricia and Enrico are the principals of Magnum Capital Partners. Patricia, Enrico, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mario. Thanks. Happy to be here. Patricia, such a great history, a great story. There's so much to talk about. Let's jump in by uh, first just starting with a little bit about yourselves, your history, and we can start there and then we'll jump into what you've done and your success. Let's start there. Okay, so let me start. I grew up in the West Island of Montreal, so French-Canadian. I graduated my Bachelor of Commerce from McGill University, and I guess that's where I got my first taste of owning and operating a small business by working in the family business, which was a distribution company of restaurant equipment. I worked there as financial controller, decided at one point that I was too young to worry about exchange rates and things like that, so decided to go back to school. That's the only way you can tell your parents you're quitting the family business is you tell them you go to an MBA and that passes over better. So did my MBA from 2009 to 2011 in Barcelona, business school, ESA Business School. Joined the Desjardins Group after that, launching and operating financial institutions in the developing world. So got kind of a, another taste in entrepreneurship by launching a small banks in fun places like East Africa, like Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, Zambia, and ultimately landed in Latin America, in Panama, where I worked for two years before deciding to really start this Magnum Capital Partners in 2015. And Enrico kind of told his story. Yeah, so as you can guess from my accent, I'm originally from Italy. I grew up in Italy. I studied physics. I have a master in physics, but then I decided to join McKinsey. And then it was like a great school. I did my MBA at TSA as well. That's where we met. And then after the MBA in 2011, I went back to McKinsey where I stayed until uh, 2016. And in this period, like Patricia and I, we were dating and we were like traveling around the world. We did like work in more than uh, 16 different countries. And it got a bit crazy. Like we had a period where I was working in Pakistan and spending my weekend in Uganda with Pat or other period where I was in Brazil and commuting to Panama. Yeah, we thought that was close. We thought we were close. At least in the same continent. So at one point, we really decided that we wanted to be in the same place and we wanted to do something together. And this was back in 2016. And that's when we decided to do a search fund. And we heard about the search fund during our time at Kiesen. One of our professors, Rob Johnson, was one of like the earlier investors in the asset class. And we thought that uh, was like a great model for us. And at the time, there were probably about 10 search funds in Canada. And it was like really niche, not something a bit more mainstream right now, where we see like hundreds of search funds in Canada. So we started Money Capital in 2016, and we purchased our company in 2017 through Bendy. And we sold April 2023, almost six years after the purchase. When you were doing your search in 2015, I mean, you already had said it to appreciate how far the market has come and things have changed. I mean, I remember when you two were out there, there were very few of you. And I wanted to just get your perspective. I mean, at that time, I know it was even hard to get advisors to show you deals because people didn't know what search funds were. How did you find the ultimate deal that you closed on? Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, we searched for about 18 months from start to close. 
It was the traditional way, but I have to say the challenge was convincing brokers to show us deals. You know, ultimately we were just two people, two showing up, knocking on doors and being asked, you know, can you please show us what you're marketing? And the first thing they said, well, who are you and what kind of money do you have? And so like there was a lot of distrust of how two young people could just show up and buy a company, you know, of a couple million bucks. And on the proprietary side, it was the same way. I would contact business owners at the time. I don't know if they even do this still today, but we were sending out letters. And we're just looking into our notes about how many letters we sent. And we sent over 2,000 letters in total to entrepreneurs, this old school letters that we signed. Every Friday, it was signing day. We would just sign. And our goal was to send out 100 letters per week. It was how we got the engine going and the deal flow, you know, just the search funnel going. But, you know, there's no secret to it. You need to get a good amount. You need to see deals. You need to see volume in order to end up two years later with a good opportunity. Yeah, and we have seen like across time that we search, we build our own credibility. Like so broker progressively send us more and more deal and we have like more and more interaction with them. Probably now, considering that the search fund model is better known, is easier to the searchers to approach broker or to approach like sellers or like they know how a search fund works. They know that people actually have the money to buy the business, <laughs> find a good business. So that's great for the community. And it's great to, you know, we just lower a little bit the barrier for searchers to enter the space and acquire business. I think as time it was interesting to note as well, like we were the first kind of couple to do this following this traditional search fund model recipe, if you will. So the first barrier before even we started to search was to raise the money, raise the search fund, I think. And I always remember the advice you gave us, Mario, when we reached out to you said, okay, that's great. Just call everybody and commit to it and get on the road and show up and tell them that's what you're going to do and just get the commitments. You know, don't worry too much about the rest. Focus on one thing at a time. Start with that. Go to the U.S., go see the traditional guys, go get the money. And after that, you worry about the next step. And we really went step by step. But I think the first thing is the decision to commit. We quit our job. We decided we're going to do this. Once we decided we're going to do this, we both quit our job. We both moved back to Montreal. We actually got married. The fundraising, we joked, but what's true was our honeymoon. (laughs) So we were going around on our honeymoon in the U.S., getting uh, investor commitments. And then once that was done, we started searching, then we start the outreach. And it's just one step at a time. And if you do the right things and you combine that with a little bit of luck and a little bit of sense of timing, eventually you get there. And we found that at the time being a couple, like doing the fundraising, it was a bit of a binary, let's say, outcome. So some people really like that because some people think that when you do something with your spouse, you know, it's a really like a great partnership who you know better than your spouse. Some other, we didn't like that, but that's understandable. And I think in the search fund model, the relationship between searcher and investors is really about like a partnership. So everybody needs to be comfortable and, and everything needs to be transparent. So that's a perfect okay. And then when we moved on the search phase, we found that the fact that we were like a kind of a family business really resonated with a lot of owners. In fact, we purchased Scribendi from a husband and wife team as well. So there were like a lot of businesses that were actually operated by husband and wife team. And we use that in our favor when contacting companies. And the Scribendi story is such a great story. Tell us a little bit about how you got that deal, a bit about the deal itself, the space and the industry. It's a great story because, you know, it was a big move, not only professionally for you, but personally, I'll let you tell the story because it was a small town, Ontario. You moved to small town, Ontario to make that deal happen. Tell us a little bit about Scribendi, the opportunity, 
how you got it. And we can talk a little bit about how you grew it over the years. So when we started the search, we really were interested in the language industry. Our goal was to acquire something in Quebec, quite frankly, because I speak French. I thought there might be more action in Ontario, but the Quebec market is a large market and we have like a certain advantage there. So that was our dream. And in Montreal, particularly, there's a lot of translation businesses. So that was kind of our initial mindset or initial target in terms of industry interests. And Scribani actually made its way to our proprietary list on the week one of the search. Enrico was focusing more on the proprietary and I was doing more the broker outreach and we're kind of what a race, you know, see who would close, who would get the deal first. But we never reached out to them on week one of the search. And then we looked at the database and why is that? We said, do not contact, not translation and too small. That was it. I kind of forgot about it until about a year later, the opportunity came around through the company's accountant. They were kind of marketing the deal. The M&A arm of their accounting firm was marketing the deal more officially. And we came across Scribendi for a second time. And at that time, the company was a little bit bigger as it had continued to grow. And we got the opportunity to look at the SIM and it, we got to appreciate its characteristics, mainly that it was a tech-enabled business. It wasn't translation, but it was document editing, which was something we didn't even know was a thing, was an industry. It was basically editing documents and formatting them for publication. You can think about it as like an Uber, but for people who are looking with help with polishing their English. So found it through there. The only problem was that I'd have to put aside my dream of finding a business in Quebec because this business was located in southwestern Ontario, a little place called Chatham, and had a conversation about that. But ultimately, I guess one of the advantages of searching as a couple, as a team, is that None of us had to quit their job to follow the other. We said, yes, we just packed up and moved, right? So that was part of the deal. We knew we might have to move and we thought to go for it. We just liked the opportunity so much. Yeah, and the business was not like a large business, but it was really a little gem. You know? We saw a lot of value in the business. It was like tech enabled, scalable. The market was like worldwide, so it really easy to grow. And we really liked that the business was set up in a way that it was collecting and storing lots of data in a very structured and organized way. And at the time, they were starting already to work on some in-house AI algorithm. It was like really, really early stage and like in development. But, you know, we saw in the company like a lot of potential. In fact, like once we purchased the company, our thesis was like, yes, to grow the business, but also like to back on improving the technology as well as including some AI into that to increase the value, really not as a service business, but as a tech-enabled business. I know, Enrico, you were talking to me about AI. You know, AI is not now. You were talking to me about AI years ago. You were doing this, what, four or five years? I mean, this was part of your thesis and you were committed to it early on. I think the founder of the company was really like a visionary, like in terms of planting the seed to further develop and further improve the company. And we really took advantage of how the company was set to, let's say, to serve the way from a very early on and work on these AI technologies way before they were like the hottest topic on the market. No? So we actually took what was already there and we improve it by creating our proprietary AI algorithm, like a thing that does not normally happen in a company with like 30 people stuff. Normally company that work in AI are like the tech giant of the Silicon Valley, but we really managed to develop like a customized AI that enable us to streamline the operations of the company and to build like a great platform. 
that combined with the growth in revenue, the growth in sales, really increased the value of the business and allow us to exit and to set the company to a strategic. Yeah. Thinking back, we really had the thesis of like, the business is good. The fundamentals are good of the business in and of itself. We just kind of organically grow the business and scale it as it does traditionally. But we had this kind of hidden potential that could potentially bring us to just another level, right? So we really had that little extra that really made it interesting. Enrico and Patricia, you both had a super exit, great story. You obviously look back at your experience as searchers and, you know, one of the things that was unique was the fact that you were a couple. I mean, the another one, Patricia, now that you look back, you were the first woman who was doing search in Canada at the time. We didn't have any other woman doing it. And um, when you look at the community today and you look back then, I mean, particularly Patricia, for you as a woman doing search, what is your perspective? I mean, it seems a lot has changed. I want to get your perspective when you look at it today compared to where you were as one of the kind of early people doing search in Canada. Yeah, I think that at the time, perhaps naively, like that just wasn't in my mind. Like I didn't know I was the first woman. Like I just wanted to be an entrepreneur and buy a business. And I heard about the search fund model and I know it had been done before in the U.S. and starting in Canada. So the, you know, women thing wasn't really on my mind. What really was more about like, okay, Enrico and I are different enough. And so like whoever we appeal to when we talk to business owners, like we would take the lead in that and we just saw an advantage. So I'm a girl, he's a guy. People like to talk to women more. Well, I'll take the lead. If people connect more with Enrico, then, you know, Enrico take the lead. And we saw that as an advantage this way. In the years I've been operating the business, there's a lot that has gone on. There's this really interesting women search network that was founded and now really is pushing entrepreneurship among women and the search fund model among women. They just released a study like a couple months ago, trying to get some statistics around that. And yeah, you can tell there's more and more interest in women to do it, but it's still very new. There's still a lot of fears and I'm not sure I have the reason why, but I can tell you that, you know, from the kind of statistics and surveys that they've done, it's very similar. The outcomes for women are in the profile of women searchers is very similar to the searcher population as a whole. People come from the same industries. Uh, most people have MBAs. Most people do this a couple of years after the MBA. They're between the age of 26 and 35. They come from consulting, private equity, investment banking background, a bit more operations. I think the outcome of at least the first study that was just released is, is that the profile is very similar, ultimately, apart from the gender. I guess one thing that they saw was uh, slightly different, perhaps, is that healthcare continued to be an area of high focus in terms of what female searchers were looking for. I guess this may be more relevant in the U.S. Uh, where a lot more healthcare businesses are being bought through the search fund model. But other than that, a very similar model. And I just think it's a great way for women and men to get into entrepreneurship and really further their career and speed up the process, if you will. Can I ask you, Patricia, we have had so much success at search when it comes to diversity. Mm -hmm. But not a lot of success. I mean, as you know, there's not a lot of women. I mean, you're still one of the few women who've done this. And frankly, right still today, the only woman who's had an exit. So is there something you see that makes it harder for a woman to do this in Canada? I think it's all in people's minds more than an actual barrier. And the study has asked this question as well, like what prevents you? What were your fears when searching and things like that? And the things that are mentioned are mostly kind of really in people's minds. 
So if I look at the study, the common misconceptions are around the search's geographic inflexibility, its impact on relationships, I guess just the overall uncertainty of the outcomes. And some have said that the lack of female role models. So, you know, hopefully I can help in that respect. So now you do have an exit of a female founder, uh, of a female searcher, and at least in terms of impact on relationships. I mean, Enrico and I, we're still together two kids later, and we still want to work together. So this works. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I want to talk a bit about what comes next, because these stories don't end just with an exit. What we see is people who go the path of entrepreneurship through acquisition. Once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what's next for you both for Magnum. What are you looking at doing now uh, that you've had? You've had a pure exit. You're not involved with the company anymore. You had your transition period. What comes next for you both and for Magnum? So as Pat said, like we will still continue working together and we want to still be involved with the search community. These are like the two things that we knew all along since the day that we sold the business. What we're doing is that now we are starting to deploy our capital as investors, like supporting searchers. We are doing it more in an opportunistic way. After we sold the business, we moved back to the south shore of Montreal. We're taking some time off, but you know, we will ramp up our operation most likely beginning of 2024. And yeah, we will continue to support the search community from an investor position. A lot of searchers who had a successful exit transitioned to actually creating a fund. I mean, we've seen that in Canada. We have a lot of, whether it's Snowden and now we've got Legate and then we have Blue Frame. A lot of these searchers have transitioned to creating funds, which is developing its own ecosystem. We're starting to get a lot of funds that invest in search funds, which of course helps to grow the space. Are you going down that road? You thinking about that road? Yeah, we think that with the increase in the volume of searchers, there is like a need for like more investment in the market. We believe that the traditional search fund model really requires like a large number of investors because in the traditional search fund model, there are like three key ingredients. So one is like a searcher, which is like an energetic young entrepreneur with a certain profile who wants to find a business. Then there is like a great company that the searchers want to acquire. And then there is like these investors that are actually mentors for the searchers, you know, because investors like us have been operating a business. And they can support and mentor the searcher during the journey. So this mentorship with the increase in the amount of searchers, so like the searcher will need the active investors. We can play that role. We like to do that. That's what we really enjoy. And we have the capacity to do so. So we think that we are well positioned in the market. Yeah, there are lots of investors, but there are like lots of searchers that needs active investors that can mentor them and they even take board position when they acquire the company. And I will say this, when at the time when we raised, there were very little Canadian investors in the market. And there's more today, but still very few Canadian investors. And I think that's something that, you know, there's a gap there. It's be so. Uh, Enrico Petitia, I want to thank you for joining us today. I mean, your story is such a great story. And it's such a great success story on multiple levels. Thank you for telling your story. And I want to wish you both obviously the best on the next path. Thank you for joining us today and I appreciate you helping us to learn more about your success and the search fund space success story. Thank you, Mario. This was fun.